0: Time for another episode of the cold star project. This one's a little different, a little bit different. Uh, I have Ken Caesar here who has been a guest before. If you missed that episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it because Ken is uh, well, he's under 30 and he created $2 million businesses, two seven figure businesses. And uh, I'm incredibly jealous. And the price he paid for it was extreme focus. dedication and persistence which is missing out there in the real world and he approached me said Jason uh, we haven't talked for a while let's let's catch up and then uh, while we were talking he said why don't we have an informal conversation about some of the stuff that we see in the online marketing world and how awful it is because we share opinions on this and they go really against the grain and i think if you have seen that internet marketing world and and both of him and i have been i mean we met in that world we've both been around in it for a long time me since around 2010 2011 uh and then i think we ran into each other on a forum and he, he was a client for a little while uh, and and like after 2015, then we both started focusing on like, okay, how do I build a real business here for my own situation? I had, I came from that corporate world. I had a 15 year corporate history as an executive before uh, moving to the United States. And, and I, I had a couple of jobs, corporate jobs after that, but then I got into the online marketing world and it messes with your head. And I think that Ken and I are going to really focus on that today about how how that world messes with your head, especially if you 're um, a facebook based marketer it 's a little different through LinkedIn, although we see that bleeding over there from Facebook to LinkedIn as those marketers try to shift and, and move up ticket and that. But I think we 're going to have a great informal conversation there isn 't going to be a question and answer thing. Uh, that I normally have as a format. I think we're just going to chit chat, and and uh, hopefully you'll be able to pick up some pretty cool contrarian point of view ideas. So, Ken, thanks for being here. Yeah,
1: awesome. <laughs>
0: All right. So let's let's dive right into it. What the hell is wrong with that internet marketing model where you're told, oh. Hey Ken, you're working at some company. Just quit, okay? Just try and like make a business maybe part-time that replaces that income and maybe you get to $10,000 a month, which is pretty high for the average regular person out there. They'd be pretty delighted with that. What's wrong with that?
1: So I think you know, even just based on what we were talking about prior to uh, actually recording the call here, the biggest thing that I've noticed and I think we're all kind of guilty of this. I know you and I just expressed that we both probably Mm -hmm. did this for much longer than we would have wanted to, but Mm -hmm. you're kind of chasing that dangling carrot of like get out of this job or make, um, you know, more than a livable income, um, whether that's eight grand a month, 10 grand a month, whatever it is. The the magic number you always kind of see tossed out there is like, you know, 10,000 bucks a month, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what happens is Mm – you, you, it's almost like you're just going after the, the, the first thing that can get you to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can kind of pat yourself on the back when you go, oh, I, I reached that point and I'm successful now. But 10 grand a month is, is so little. And, and these numbers mm-hmm. that are thrown out there, you never obviously get the full story, right? So 10 grand a month, maybe you're looking at like 20% net. That's mm-hmm. like a, a fry cook income. <laughs> Right. right, but you're bringing in high revenues, or what would what most people would would conceive to be high revenues, um, without really getting the full story. So I think that's probably one of the the biggest issues. And then, obviously, as I just touched on as well, um, you know, when you're going through um, and actually planning out a company, you have to really understand what it takes to get to. A million, five million, ten million, because I guarantee you once you hit that ten thousand dollar per month mark, you're gonna wanna move up from there. You're gonna realize like that means absolutely nothing in the big picture. Um, and you're gonna realize based on you know, whatever you're doing, um to scale from 10 grand a month to a hundred grand a month requires a completely different business model, a completely different plan of action. In- strategy. Um, you're going to probably need much more margin than you originally thought. You're going to need um, to be able to allocate that extra margin to operational expenses, offices, employees, all kinds of stuff, right? So that carrot or that magic number, um, if you undercut what the real potential is and the real potential is a million, five million, ten million, and, and you're planning for that 10,000 000- per month mark it's just not going to work out and i think Mm -hmm. what you probably find or a lot of people probably find is they get to that point and they're like oh this isn't going to work like like i need to restructure and rebuild an entire company um and that's fine there's nothing wrong with like having to take a step back or whatever kind of reassess things but uh, Obviously, you would probably want to try and get it right from the start. I don't know if you'd agree with him.
0: <laughs> I certainly would because I've been the guy who was trapped in that internet marketing mentality for for years, for probably five, five six years. Right. You, you, you know, and, and again, I had the executive corporate role experience before that, and yet... You get into this situation where, oh, this is fun and I'm making money and, and uh, I understand it and it gets into a comfort zone and then you're stuck. And then you have this fear of, oh, I don't want to change anything because then I'm going to give up what I've already got. And that's scary, right? I don't want to go back to zero. I remember how hard it was building that $10,000 a month business, whatever, where you cap out, right? And, Yeah, the idea that the margin, understanding like there is a cost. There is a cost of traffic. There's a cost of conversion. Even if it's just you getting on sales calls and doing sales calls, there's a cost to that. You you require so many hours of time to go get a a customer or client. And a lot of people I talk to before we go through their business model plan um, discussion with them who are in that coaching situation or that agency situation, they don't understand that they are burning through money in order to get to that customer and and drive that revenue. And it's subtracting. There is an amount there. Even if it's just you, you are not free. And so you end up with far less money at the end. And then you get, that, that money tolerance trap if you 've heard me before talk about this it 's like a thermometer about how much is a lot of money for you. I know my money tolerance went way down because I got trapped into thinking about what is this right what is normal for me and if you 're running a small agency the the Um, IT firm back in Vancouver before I left, say in around 2008, that era is what comes to mind. We had to make $60,000 a month just to break even. And if you get used to making $10,000 a month and and $2,000 in margin, you're never going to get to 60,000. You're not going to have the the spare brain cells to figure it out, the capacity, because you're going to go, well, I can only do these few action things And you're not freed up to imagine, okay, what do I have to do to go make $120,000 this month so I can pay for those people that I'm going to need to do fulfillment with and then uh, have some money left over (laughs) after my new cost of traffic and my new cost of conversion and my new cost of fulfillment to, to make a profit here. So yeah, getting that right mindset off the bat and not getting trapped and sucked into that horrible low money tolerance, Low uh, budget mentality is so critical. Ken, yeah, I think. Um, you, sorry, you got, go ahead. Yeah, you got you got into two businesses. The, the the first one was an agency business, which you built up to seven figures, and then you were like, "Ah, this is crazy." There was something wrong with that model, um, and then you moved into uh, e-commerce, and and now you're in a different situation with that.
1: Right. So it's uh, those are two obviously very different. Businesses and business models, um, you know it's it's interesting because with the, I mean you just touched on a lot of stuff there that I guess we can dive deeper into. But I, I think I should probably start out by saying like people really need to come into this like business stuff. Um, and I don't, I mean I have a pretty good idea of who your audience is, um, but I think just in general like understanding truly. What is doable and truly like? What what numbers um, really equate to in terms of profit and versus revenue and gross margin and that? Because um, it's very easy to to look at this stuff and see somebody on YouTube that's claiming that they did twenty million or ten million or a million in sales this year. But what does that actually work out to be? Um, and the story's very very different once you open the back end of the business and see how much money is actually in a bank account, right? Um, so I've, I've been reading a lot into like the actual financials of a company. What does a healthy company look like in terms of the financials? What does um, a really healthy company look like in comparison to other businesses in its, in its market or in its space? Um, and this is kind of like a boring topic, right? super boring. It doesn't get clicks. It doesn't get views. I'm sure everybody listening to this just tuned out when I said that, but <laughs> it is really important to understand this stuff because it's the actual fundamentals of running a business and actually getting cash into a bank account. Um, so when you're going through this, um, you need to like, and I should probably relate this to, to like a lot of the financials I've been learning about it and just like even, even, uh, people that I know that run legit companies that have given me kind of the same information. I've kind of sourced from different books, different uh, training courses, and and then obviously people that are successful as well. And a lot of them will say like almost the healthiest profit margin you're going to get out of a legitimate company um, is probably somewhere in like that 15 to 20% range. That's like about as good as large. And when I say larger companies, there's still small businesses, but I'm meaning like multi-million dollar companies, that's what they're grossing in revenue, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So when you're looking at this stuff, you need to understand like, if somebody says they're doing 2 million in sales, right? What does that actually equate to in terms of like pre-tax, net profit? That's Mm -hmm. gonna be, you know, if if we follow that guideline, that's gonna be like 400 grand maybe um, at the max Mm -hmm. peak, right? In terms of like what they net, which is still obviously an amazing income, It's a far cry from $2 million though, right? Um, And then you, in in my type of business, and this is, you know, you touched on this before. Previously, I was running uh, an agency where it's basically just all cash in, all cash out, right? So you're not buying up inventory, storing inventory. It's a pretty, it's pretty simple in terms of the numbers, right? Like somebody gives you a paycheck on the first of every month. You're paying employees to operate their services, uh, go out do the work and then uh, your obviously le- um, margin is what's left over in between those two numbers. It's about as basic as it gets mm. and it's cash in and cash out. Um, with the inventory based business, it's much different, much, much different. So it's much more complicated than that. Um, you're buying up inventory, releasing new products, redesigning products. And putting them out there into the marketplace, but you're holding on to that inventory, and that's a big expense on the business, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are holding inventory in a warehouse, you're essentially uh, sitting on cash that's not being used up if that product mm-hmm. isn't selling. And that's how a lot a lot of companies can outgrow their cash and literally go out of business if they're not careful. Like meaning mm-hmm. your company's so successful and growing so fast uh, that you go bankrupt because you're buying up more inventory and sitting on it um and I can get into all the issues that are we're facing right now with like the coronavirus and all the stuff that's going on because some of our suppliers are in China at the moment um but it really really complicates things so if I and I'm trying to equate this back to somebody who's listening to this who's maybe caught up in the pipe dream of like oh a million dollar company I saw this guy on YouTube he showed a, a screenshot with a million dollars in sales um That's not the full story, obviously. Um, What they need to understand is probably that guy's making maybe 15% net margin. So on a million dollars, and it's also important to understand when somebody shows you a screenshot of 100 grand a month, let's just assume that that's not Photoshopped or faked, right? Which is probably in this day and age, pretty big assumption. But um, let's assume that that's a real shot of 100 grand a month. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they were doing a hundred grand a month over and over and over and over. That's like one single month, and a lot of times you'll notice those months are from like November, December when mm-hmm. uh, retail sales are very high, mm-hmm. uh, maybe double what it usually is. So again, you're not getting that full story. But um, that person isn't showing you how much inventory they then had to to repurchase. That person isn't showing you mm-hmm. um, how much cash is actually going into their bank account right So it's a huge difference between um, one of the, the biggest metrics that we try and shoot for to be successful now is we want more profit margin than our competitors, but we also want to hang on to more cash. meaning our our products have to be more expensive than our competitors and then at the same time we also have to, um, hold on to less inventory, hold on to less operational expenses. So we have more cash sitting in a bank account than that we can freely operate with. And that took a very, very long time to understand.
0: Yeah. And it's true that, that high performing companies tend to have larger cash reserves by many times right. than, than yeah. uh, their less successful competitors. I'm, I'm also thinking about um, like a restaurant, Uh, it is possible to sell yourself into oblivion. And people will go, how can you do that? You made $2 million. Well, let's consider at Cold Star, we see inside a lot of other businesses. And so I know it's not just one or two, right? But let's say we've got a restaurant that is popular and they have not done costing very well. They don't really know what it costs to put out a plate of food. And let's say they're charging $12 for this plate of food. But the actual cost with with labor and, and material and overhead and that is maybe 15 or $16. And so every plate that they're selling is putting them $3, let's say, into the right. hole. And yeah. so you can sell yourself into oblivion. And it's, I guess it's no different with uh, e-commerce because you have a carrying cost of inventory that you mentioned. You've True. got import uh, requirements, you've got lead times to worry about, and you've got a timing problem too, particularly because you've got so much seasonality in that business, right? And it's not, uh, it's not solely a factor of e-commerce seasonality. It's in tons and tons of businesses.
1: Right, so with the seasonality is a good point. Our,
0: our brand and or like
1: the, the industry I'm in isn't necessarily, um, very seasonal. Like it's, the sales are pretty steady year round. The difference in seasonal being is just that during November, December, January yeah. sales can be anywhere from like, um, 1.5 to two and a half to sometimes three X regular sales. So you have mm-hmm. to time that and make sure you have cash reserves for that. Um, but yeah, so touching on that point with the restaurant and the dinner, so let's say even if they are making a healthy margin, right? So let's say mm-hmm. they sell a plate for $20, mm. uh, yeah. their expenses on all of that are 16 right? So left with $4 yeah. net margin, right? Um, what people aren't factoring is that that $4 doesn't go into their bank account. That $4 <laughs> now goes into um, buying more ingredients, stocking right. up their That's kitchen right. again, so it's like how much cash is left over excuse me, left over after you're restocking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where things get really tricky with, with e-commerce stuff. Um, and it took me a super long time to understand that, but that's where you understand like the discipline of operating a company. And if you operate a company with extreme discipline, and like you said, the um, the two massive indicators of like how successful a company is going to be is like, and this is just in terms of operations is can they hold on to more cash and do they have more margin? Cause if you can do those two things, it really, I mean, you're not guaranteed to whenever, but it gives you a much bigger advantage over your competitors who are now stuck with um, you know, we see this all the time, especially with like Chinese companies that are selling, they're going to undercut everyone's pricing. So let's take Amazon for example. If you sell on Amazon, you can try to build a brand on there around a specific type of model or product and sell it as like more of a premium high end. We can use any example, but uh, let's use say um, what would be a good example? We can, we can use like luxury knives. Mm -hmm. So like uh, that a, a professional chef or kitchen would use versus Uh, A Chinese company may come in and just sell a knife that's about as basic as it gets, and they want to bring in more sales. So, somebody from the outside, you know, there's all types of softwares and data uh, that you can look at now to see what's called like a bestseller rank on Amazon to see who's selling more. Um, Obviously, that doesn't give you again the full story, all that basically tells you is the data in terms of how much uh, one seller is selling versus how much another seller selling their item for right um but what what i try and look at now especially with our competitors is like they may sell more actual units of a product right and their revenues may even be higher um because they're selling more but their margin is probably like half of ours and i know at that point that they've kind of just pigeonholed themselves onto like just being an amazon seller at that point yeah. right so there's no room for them to expand a product line. There's no room for them to expand outside of Amazon. Whereas what we're trying to do is get more margin. And, and we are probably one of the highest revenue companies in, in our space. Um, we are probably the highest margin, if not one of the highest margin companies, I meaning we, we've tried to position ourselves as like a premium brand. And now what it comes down to for me is like, I want to run the company in a very disciplined way in that, we're not overholding on our stock um, mm. so we can hang on to more cash reserves. What, what you'll what you find a lot of times in, in today's day and age is, um, and again, this becomes an issue when you have everybody on YouTube or every core seller is basically selling the same thing of like, what you got to do is c- copy this person's product. You can undercut their pricing and you can still make $5 or $10 uh, per sale and do well that way. They have no intention of understanding like here's how much margin we need to survive here here's how much margin we need to actually grow this into a legitimate uh brand right um so what what we're trying to do is find like listen if we can you know make an 18 percent net margin and all of our competitors are doing like seven percent um we can now take four percent of that margin and put it into for example um video and content Mm -hmm. in building a brand outside of these different online channels. Um, You can even start doing wholesales or trade shows or whatever it may be. And ultimately the company that, this is my belief. Anyways, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on Mm -hmm. this, but the company that builds a brand now is ultimately who's going to win. I think Mm -hmm. we're past the days of acquiring customers like the 2013, 14 Mm -hmm. Facebook ad days where you could just put an ad out and make profit margin. Um, I think those days are gone now and you have to focus on building a brand. That's what's actually valuable. How many, how many Google searches does your brand name get? Um, That's what's important in selling a lot of this stuff. I think it goes far beyond just the numbers now. And I think brand is, is super important these days. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I'll agree a brand is, it will, really reduce your cost of customer acquisition as you go along, right? right? right. And so what I've heard you say is like, look, we, we need to begin with the end in mind. People say they know that, but they don't really because look at what they do. They rush out and try and make a $10,000 a month business, right? And then they right. find themselves capped there and going, oh, I'm afraid to give up this in order to grow bigger. And then they have a problem. So is it scalable? Well, is your idea scalable? What's an indicator, right? And an indicator that you have brought up is can you keep or retain more cash as you grow? And if you can't because you're continually burning it back into inventory because your margins are so low, you're screwed. You can't grow.
1: Or you're over-purchasing inventory, (coughs) meaning like you're you're holding on to – Uh, one mistake a lot of companies will make is in the early days, they're trying to make as much margin as possible. So if Mm -hmm. I buy a set of knives um, for a month's worth or two months worth of those knives, I'm going to get a certain price. If I buy a set of knives for a six month inventory hold or 12 months, I'm going to get a much more reduced price because we're buying in bulk, for example. Right. So it's basic economics. But the problem with that is, you're, you think you're saving on margin, which you are, but you're actually burning up all your cash because now mm-hmm. your cash is stuck into this one reserve of this one product. Right. Um, it can't that you go have and develop a
0: new distribution channel for you. Right.
1: And it and can't and you go can't do it. And release new products. And more importantly, what happens mm-hmm. when a, a Chinese competitor comes in and puts out the exact same set of knives and undercuts you for uh, 10 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Now for them, they don't care because they don't have the same strategy as you. They just want to sell through as many knives as possible versus you want to put out a set of knives for um, this price. And when a Chinese competitor comes in and releases the same type of thing, you want to be able to upgrade yours or clearly identify why yours are better, or why yours are different. Um, A lot of this stuff has just become a lot more complicated because the floodgates are kind of open now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think we've, One thing we've seen is previously your biggest competitors would have been like a mom and pop type of, uh, situation where they had an extra, let's say maybe $10,000 that they were willing to invest into like e-commerce and they just bought a course and they're super excited (laughs) to at least a few products with this $10,000. The difference now is that $10,000 doesn't take you anywhere near as far as it did like four or five years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a pay to play situation where you have to have money now yeah. in order to, and and this is stuff that people really need to understand. Again, this probably touches more on like people that are maybe just interested in this topic or want to get started. But um, if you come into business, like cash strapped, you don't have enough money to and you don't understand how much money it takes to really get something off the ground and you just purchase a qu- Course, or you heard some guy telling you, "Oh no, you only need a thousand bucks to get started." It's like it, it would it would almost be impossible um, to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, yeah, I mean, it's, say you have that ten thousand dollars. If we were to go back to twenty fourteen, so advanced targeting had come out for Facebook. I know because I lost a lot of money in twenty thirteen when it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and compared to today, your cost of, of acquiring a customer, your cost per lead, is way higher today. it was so your $10,000 goes far less whereas if you have a brand and you're you're working towards getting people on board with that brand I mean Apple does not have to worry about that right they're not worrying about marketing and copywriting and all those conversion tools uh, which again I know a hell of a lot about those things but they don't they just don't matter as much as they did a few years ago
1: right Uh, Apple's actually really perfect example of what I'm talking about. Apple owns a very small percentage of the smartphone market. I think Samsung is is the biggest uh, phone provider in terms of like, there's literally more Samsung handheld devices out there than there is Apple. The difference is Apple owns a majority of the profits in that space. So again, they're selling for less, uh, Mm -hmm. excuse me, they're selling less actual products, right? but their profit margin is much greater than their competitors. And it's why Apple's, I I mean, this stat's been thrown out there a lot, uh, many times, but they're sitting on so much cash. It's insane. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're like primed to crush the space and continue to crush it because they've operated a company in a way that um, is much different than what other people are doing. And I think that's really where there's, that's where there's, Um, room these days to actually get ahead and do well is like taking a different approach. You're not going to take on Procter and Gamble and outsell them in toothbrushes and toothpaste, right? You have to create a a product that's much more needed in that Mm -hmm. market space that allows you to make more profit. Um, And you can play the profit game, sell it for more, make more money, create a brand that speaks to an end customer more why do people buy crest? It's like people buy crest cause they've always bought crest. Cause it's an yeah. option. It doesn't, that doesn't speak. That brand doesn't speak to anybody. Right. Um, if you can create, and this is similar along the lines of like what's the difference between Gillette and dollar shave club, like dollar shave mm-hmm. club was a much more personalized brand that literally I was reading this uh, case study on Harvard business review about how much profit dollar shave club was Eating into from these major, major players Um, because Gillette was using this old distribution system and they didn't have a brand that spoke to anyone. It's like, we sell these blades for X amount. Mind you, Gillette may have even sold uh, the actual blades for less, or excuse me, for more than Dollar Shave Club, I think. Uh, But Dollar Shave Club was able to create a brand where it was like they differentiated the product. Um, They got people on a subscription based model. So their, their average customer value is probably worth more. Um, And they were, they were able to like to demand a a, a huge percentage of that market um, just by doing things much, much differently. And that's really the only way you're going to like survive now. Um, You see these different companies that are out there that are, I mean, my God, every person I know is like trying to start a coffee company or something like that, (laughs) or like a fitness brand or, and it's like, Okay. You, you miss them sure. The fitness <laughs> one is out of control, dude. Yeah. That shit is out of control. Like uh, um, you cannot go out there and, and just copy and replicate what other people are doing, which is literally what's being taught or sold. I think the people that are going to have the biggest advantage now are people that understand a market really, really, really well, like yeah. really well. Um, they understand like what's missing in that market space. What do people need? What do people want? And how do we create a moat around that? Mm-hmm. Meaning when, if, if you know an industry super well, um, let's say like, uh, let's use like the fitness industry, like, uh, protein, for example, there's a lot of different protein supplements mm-hmm. and people are even starting to release protein, um, like cooking stuff now or, or the gluten free stuff, right? If you can come in there and create a product that's needed, um, that people really want, that hasn't been done before, but still kind of falls in line with like that fitness stuff, then you can be successful and do well. Um, But if you can't come up with something, like uh, uh, an interesting one is the cauliflower based um, cooking materials, right? So like uh, people are using cauliflower based uh, crust for their pizza. Um, So make of that what you will. Some people hate it, some people love it. There's a huge market out there for that. Um, And somebody went in and exploited that and is making a lot of money out there now because they realize that there's huge potential. Now they're not going to beat whoever the the main pizza crust company is. Like it's just not possible at this point. Um, But they are going to be able to demand a huge percentage of like that healthy market that wants to eat pizza. Um, And if you're not thinking like that, and you're just going out and copying and replicating something that you see you're, you're guaranteed to lose, especially if you're underfunded, if you're coming in with like two grand and you can't afford to design something that's different or better. Um, it's just like a recipe for disaster. And it's why I've really been big now on the idea of product. And I think I told you this, like, I feel like marketing has almost never been less valuable than it is right now. Um, and I think that's because everybody's out there just shouting and screaming about what they have and yeah. nobody really has anything different. As soon as something different does come, yeah. it's like you need way less marketing dollars to effectively explain why it's different and why people need it. It should just naturally fill a gap. Um, and then you can go in there and, and really make a run and explode your business. Um, but just the idea of like, Oh, we came up with better copy than th- than this guy that may increase conversions like 1% or 2%. That's not going to be a game changer in the overall big picture of mm-hmm. your business.
0: Okay. So the the fitness folks, the personal trainers in that for years, I've directed them over to Justin Devonshire, who you can find on Facebook and, and LinkedIn. And the thing that I love about him is he gets operations. He gets processes and systems and cash flow and that, and he's perfect. I don't, I don't work with personal trainers in that, so it's not a, a good fit for me, but. Um, he's the guy who I know knows his stuff in that area. Uh, uh, Apple has created a brand and they don't really need to do a whole lot of marketing. Like they, they will, they will, they spend lots of money on it, but it's about an impression. It's not about features usually. And they don't have to go out and get a customer from scratch. They've already got one. But for somebody who says, well, okay, I, I, you know, and we'll go back to the dollar shave example. I don't have 20 years to develop a brand can, <laughs> right? Jason? What do, what do I do here to develop a, a word that you mentioned that I think is, is um, we haven't emphasized enough in marketing and, and we need to start doing it, the moat. How do I develop a moat and, and not have it take 20 years and a million dollars in order to create that brand?
1: I mean, I think moat is ultimately,
0: um, it yeah, what is it? To, let's, let's define it. What right. So it mo- comes
1: down to a lot of different things. It's, it's like, I think the term was coined by like Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett. And I don't know that for sure, but that's just the, the common thing I hear them reference is like, okay. they would not buy up a business or invest in a business unless it naturally has moat associated with it. Mm. So moat meaning um, there's almost like an organic or uh, um, I guess even a lot of people would do it strategically, but they're, I mean, most people, almost everybody would do it strategically, but you're essentially building up like a barrier around your business so that other people can't just come in and replicate it overnight or very easily. Right. So moat could be, Intellectual property, it could be patents, it could be trademarks, it could be um, a brand and the way you tell your story and how that resonates with a customer. And that's why they are willing to pay more uh, for your product than they are for another company's product. Um, And then obviously, like uh, I think the biggest one would be like the product design or what makes that product unique or special Mm -hmm. over other competitors. Um, So, Moat specifically for. What we're trying to do to create moat, there's a few different things, right? So, number one, we're trying to create a different brand and community. And again, this ties back into how we operate the company. So, if we can operate with more margin than our competitors and we have more cash, we're going to be able to build that brand out and tell our story better. Um, And that's going to be a huge advantage for us, right? Now, this works for us because our products are differentiated and we do things differently. And the way that we try and build stuff out, um, we're always getting ripped off. So I feel like we're one of the forefront leaders in terms of like the products we're putting out and the way that they're designed. And um, I look at our competitors and one thing I'm big on is I'm looking at currently how many brand searches our company gets versus other companies. And it's like through the roof in terms of like how many monthly searches we get. And our nearest competitor is probably like one tenth. Or maybe ten percent or less of of what we get, right? So that right there is like a natural type of moat where people are looking specifically to buy our products. If you try to advertise for our brand name or our keyword within Amazon or within Google or these different um, uh, search engines, um, you're you're going to pay a lot of money, right? Like our brand name commands a lot of money in terms of the pay per click. And we're gonna be naturally selected as like the main company that gets the top ads because it's what's most relevant for what a, a customer's looking for. So the, the pay-per-click engine that we're paying is always gonna put our ads at the top. Um, so that's a, that's a huge moat advantage, right? Um, and again, that ties into both the product design and it ties into um, it ties into like the brand and the story that we tell and how we differentiate ourselves and express that to the customer. Um, again, when we have more margin, we're able to do that at a higher level and that bigger scale. And that creates more mo- and more mo- and more people are searching for us. Um, so I think that's probably a big one that, that people would look at. Obviously, intellectual property is another one. That's a route we've tried to explore and it just didn't work out. So we've got patents on certain products. Um, the patent and lawyer game is very tricky. And I've just found it's not worth the time or energy invested into it. It just didn't work out for us. I mean, we could go out there and sue these people. The problem is when you start suing people, um you're paying a lot of money for lawyers. And then you're mm-hmm. suing a company, which again, probably doesn't have a lot of cash. You're probably going after a mom and pop type of customer who or cu- customer type of uh, business that uh, paid for advice for some course that said to rip off this product. They didn't okay. do the research. And now you're gonna sue somebody who has no money to give you anyways. the money's just going to a lawyer and everybody loses and that that's like this mm-hmm. we've explored that that option, and that seemed to be the case every single time. It's like you're just gonna be spending money wasting a lot of time on this, and you're not really gonna get anything back um, so the other one would be um if i mean if if you can basically come up with like a really solid business model, meaning like A subscription type of based business model that was huge moat for um, uh, the Dollar Shave Club company, right? Like that was kind of their moat was they came up with a business model that no one else had come up with, a recurring type of subscription where um, people were really love the brand. Again, they loved the the story that the brand told um, that they were willing to pay them on a, a monthly basis every single month to receive these types of products and packages. So there's a lot of different ways that you can Uh, come up with this stuff um, and and, separate yourself and differentiate yourself. But you can kind of see that all of them pretty much require cash, right? Mm -hmm. Um, All of them require a good amount of money for you to really separate yourself. Uh, Now take that approach versus what most people are doing. Let's drop ship products from AliExpress Mm -hmm. and pay. And hopefully the Facebook ads work out where we're making enough margin And we can do this long enough until somebody catches on to what we're doing and then they just rip off and replicate what we're doing and then we find the next product. It's like there's zero leverage to that. You're just hopping from product to product to product, probably burning through more cash as you test this stuff out than you're actually making in the long run because you have to keep Mm -hmm. jumping ship until you can find something that works. Um, I don't understand how people can make that work for the life of me. I just can't.
0: Um, Yeah. So part of a mode then is is developing some institutional knowledge, some expertise. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And and as you're hopping around, how are you going to, you don't learn anything that you can repeatedly apply over and over again.
1: Right. And, and you're not building up like if you're selling spatulas and then all of a sudden you're selling backpacks and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're selling fidget spinners or whatever right. the latest hot thing where's is. The like, <laughs> where's the brand? Where's the brand you're developing all these different customer email lists and all these mm-hmm. different markets. Like it's a complete mess in terms of what you're doing and there's no strategy behind it. Again, this just ties back into what's the quickest way I can make 10 grand a month, mm-hmm. um, and exploit that for as much as I can. Um, And it's probably not going to work out well. Um, Like it's really common sense too. Like if somebody's truly making a million dollars a year drop shipping, why are they telling you what they're doing? And I know this, it's almost like cliche how many times this gets brought up, but it's true. It's like if a guy's really making that much money, you think he cares about teaching his students about doing the same thing? It's like, no, he's going to be doing that, running a company. Like imagine – Richard Branson opened up a course on how to sell or how to run an airline. Like hmm. he, he wouldn't because he runs a successful airline. He doesn't care about teaching his students about that. Like it right. doesn't, it doesn't add up at all. There are guys that I've seen that are in this space that um, are very legit and have done like courses or seminars. Um, but they proudly like put their brand and product out there. It's like, mm-hmm. this is what I do. This is what I sell. Um, if you're a core seller and you don't give out information on your company because you're scared someone's going to replicate it, you don't have a company and you that's what everybody's remote. doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. If some, if it's, if it's, if it's that easy to take your company down in terms of like somebody can just go out there and find the products you sell and then f- get Facebook ad information and data to, to replicate that. You don't have a business. Like your business is going to fall apart, um, which is why you 're selling courses because you 're like this could end at any moment. I need another source of revenue quickly
0: yeah, and that 's a frustrating situation to be in and and keep returning to and i 'm wondering. How many listeners are going, wow, I have been that guy. I have struggled to make the $10,000 a month through the copying other people business model that is not scalable, doesn't develop a moat. You get no expertise and then you're exhausted. That's the other thing too, right? Maybe you get there. Maybe you hit that, that low money target and you're happy with yourself, but you're so tired. You're not going to have any creativity and figure out what to do next. Right. Yeah. How can people figure out a strategy then, Ken, from your perspective?
1: Um, so this is going to be unpopular opinion, but I truly feel like most people just shouldn't be in business and -hmm. if they are going to be in business, they should be in it with a partner. I probably, looking back, I probably would have partnered with someone because these days like I just look for how can I get as much leverage out of my time and energy spent Mm -hmm. as possible. And there's certain, there's certain things I'm good at. There's certain things I'm not good at that have taken me much longer yeah. to learn about. If I had, if I partnered with somebody who was able to, to put up cash to have skin in the game as well, meaning like, you know, they, they put their own money down and bought into a business as well. they they need to make this succeed just as much as I do. Um, that's very powerful if you have two people that can complement each other. So that's mm-hmm. probably the first place that I would look is like, what are you good at? What, what skills do you have, what industry knowledge do you have? Um, and what, how can you explore and make that, uh, you know, turn that into a legitimate company where there's a need for a product in that space. That's where you're probably going to find, um, the most success that you can actually have. And, and again, if I were to go back Back and do this stuff over. I think my skill set is finding white spaces in a market, getting to understand and know that market pretty well, and then putting out products and designing products and marketing those products. The back end stuff of this is like taxes, operations, hiring people, standard operating procedures, which I know you talk about all the time. All of these different things, like the front end stuff of, of what people see is probably what I'm good at, where they look at a business and go, Oh, this is cool. They have this line of product, this and that. The backend stuff is probably what my weakness is, like yeah. the hiring stuff. As I mentioned, um, bringing people on board, um, trying to find the right pieces to put in place to, to scale and make this leverageable. Um, all of that stuff is very difficult to do everything at the same time. So if you're running a growing business, now all of a sudden you have to handle the marketing, putting out the product, all of this stuff at the mm-hmm. same time. Is you know taxes need to be done. Um, you need your bookkeeper to finish this stuff on time. You need to manage and operate the cash and the accounting and the financials. Um, it be, it can become extremely overwhelming. Um, and I've kind of, I, this is something I'm just kind of thinking about now is like, this would probably be the last company that I ever start where I didn't have, um,
0: a partner. a partner. Yeah, starting yeah. alone. It's, I don't know. It's got its ups and downs. I, I, right. I've been of there. I've had that partner. Um, and and um. they can be up when you're down and vice versa, which is extremely helpful, actually, because there's always one emotionally willing to pull up the other. And I think that's a good thing though. Like if there's somebody
1: the the, obviously the main thing that comes to mind is like, people are fighting internally over like what they think is the best decision for the company. Mm. But that's probably healthy. If you think about it, like Mm. if there's two people that have opposing opinions, it's like, okay, let's hash this out and actually see who's right. Um, there is going to be fights or whatever. But I think if the worst case scenario is obviously like somebody steals money out of the business, that's worst case scenario. But, um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is a
0: marriage. It is a marriage and right. tied and into the bank charity. accounts together and all the corporate right. paperwork. And when you leave or one of you leaves, you, that, this needs to be figured out at the beginning. And I know. Right. Exactly. It has to be. The closing engine that I had with um, Jeremy Pope, we, we had all that stuff figured out from day one. And we spent a ton of time meeting and talking to each other because he approached me with this idea. Right. That, hey, do you want to work together on it? We met for hours. Um, just talking about everything under the sun, politics, science, religion, et cetera. Yeah. To find you out, can we get along? Or are we gonna, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I
1: mean, you find out who somebody is. And, and like, I don't know, there's certain things that are like little telltale signs that you should not be not only in business, business mm-hmm. with someone, but it's like, get this guy away from me. In <laughs> um, Let's hear about some of them from your point of view. I mean, I think if somebody is like, like lies like just even yeah. just minor about little things that's always a <clears throat> massive red flag or if they just treat like if you're out at dinner or something or whatever mm-hmm. and they're just kind of sneaky about the way they treat somebody or they're talking mm-hmm. about somebody behind their back it's like that's in their mind they're thinking um, I would never do this to you because you're my friend or like mm-hmm. I would never screw you over or talk about you in that way because you're my friend right Um, but I think it's very easy to change the definition of what a friend is pretty quickly. Mm. Right. So um, a lot of that stuff you really need to watch. Uh, Just like small little character traits is probably what I would look out for. Again, I'm Mm. not the best at this because I don't have a business partner, but it is stuff that I have to look out for when I'm hiring people or bringing on employees or or whatnot. That is uh, very important that even if you bring somebody into a company to work for you, I think that you want them to have shared or common values Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like we brought somebody on last year and he lasted like a week. He was like talking down to everybody. What he was talking about wasn't even making sense. It was way too complicated. Um, But instead of like understanding that, Hey, a business should be simplified in terms of the processes Mm -hmm. and how things are done. He wanted to be smarter than everyone and overcomplicate it. And then when they didn't understand, he would talk down to them. It was just like mm-hmm. a nightmare scenario. And we're like, dude, this is not going to work out. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously, as you go through and make the next hire, you're like, okay, let's avoid that type of, of, <laughs> that type of situation.
0: Right. Um, I am terrified when I go on like a uh, uh- Forums, business forums, and things like that. And I'll see people or social media even going, I'm, I'm looking for a co founder. Can somebody help me find a co founder? Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, oh my gosh, you are rushing into marriage without knowing anything about this person. Right. And, and what are their expectations? And what, like, just bringing a skill set is not enough. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you really have
1: to look out for. Um, and again, I think it's funny. Like, I'm interested to hear your perspective on this. On like the hustle culture, like mm. the the idea of like, and I mean, this stuff is probably now at its all time high in terms of everybody is like trying to be a Gary Vaynerchuk. Right. There's all these little Gary Vaynerchuk spawns out there, dude. Mm-hmm. There's so many like 50 year old guys wearing hoodies on stage and swearing in that now. <laughs> And you're yeah. just like, uh, we don't need any more of that guy. Like, there's right. one of them that we needed, and we, I, in my, I'm starting to change my mm. thoughts on Gary Vaynerchuk pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's already been done, and now everybody just kind of replicating and saying the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the idea of like hustle
0: culture. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm against it. I think it's stupid. Uh, right. and, and, and a lot of people may tune out at that. But I'll tell you, um, I, I've been around in the, the online marketing world since, since 2010, 2011. Uh, I ran into these guys when they were new. I, I, I've been following uh, Tony Robbins since I was 20 years old. Yeah, You know, and it was books and CDs, right? And, and Gary came on the scene, and he is cool, and he has a great message in that. But you know what? I stopped following him and all those other guys a couple right. of years ago, 2016 or so. Probably. 2016, 2017. Yeah. I just yeah. stopped. And um, there's a key question here, Ken, for me, and that's this. Who do you listen to? And, and you should listen to the person who has what you want. I believe ultimately, and, and Gary's cool and all, and he does have, you know, VaynerMedia and all that, uh, but it's not what I want. And, right. and, and also I see a disconnect in what Gary says and what he does. Uh, and not that he doesn't hustle. Yeah. It's just, he, he, and and some of this is um, unconscious competence, which is what happens when you get real good at something and you just forget like in the curse of knowledge where, you know how to do something, you're good at it, and you forget what it's like not to know that. And you can't go back to knowing what it's like to not know it, right? right. And so he walks around going, well, you should do this, you should do that uh, in a very general way because he doesn't really give actionable stuff all that often. Um, but attitude-wise, he's all right, I guess. But he forgets what it's like to be uh, a, a broke person starting out, I think. And, and so how can you copy what he does because he has resources and attitudes and well you just do it like uh i'm gonna nerd out here and say q from the star trek the next generation he just (laughs) snaps his fingers and and does a thing right and you just do it well other people can't just do it they're not in that situation so i tune those out um you you know well know that sam ovens has really been the only guy who i have Uh, consistently watched videos of for the last couple years and Mm -hmm. I don't he has not said very much that I didn't already know because I have the operations management education and the business administration degree and all that right right but but he deliberately goes and finds things he's a very good detective and uncoverer of facts he's a very good uh, assembler of, of systems and processes and he gets it and so I love how you will produce like a 45 minute or hour long video and I'll watch the whole thing and I'll go, I know that there were tons of people who just couldn't get through the first five minutes because they don't have it.
1: Yeah. And, and he's, he, I think he's become much less hypey over Mm -hmm. the years. I know he used to be kind of like a hypey salesman type of guy. Uh, And then obviously uh, I think he's changed a lot of his ways. Yeah, he
0: started, he started out in that internet marketing world and was like everybody else. Right. And then figured out, wait a minute, I need to refine what I'm doing. He built a moat, right? He built one course with one funnel. He talks about that. Yeah. He's not trying to be in 60 different places, nor is he selling shoes this week and knives the next. Right, right. He right. one thing and yeah. that's it. And, and he was, I good think, at it one thing that's
1: super important too, that a lot of people really overlook is like finding white space and timing a market, meaning Mm -hmm. like uh, that's probably the number one indicator, I think in how successful a business can be is like, Mm -hmm. did you time the market correctly? Um, And then obviously with that timing build moat around what you were doing. So like Sam was probably one of the first people to come in and like legitimize selling courses. Mm-hmm. As like not a scumbag guy mm-hmm. that's, that's clearly trying to just, um, you know, fleece people out right. of their money, but actually build a brand mm-hmm. around what he's doing um, and then come in and operate it properly mm-hmm. um, and, and not just do these ridiculous product launches um, with a thousand <laughs> right. affiliate. Like right. uh, he was the first person that came in and saw like, oh, there's a white space here to like actually build a legitimate brand and company let's leverage this like let's explore this because no one everyone's on this like product launch train of like yep. let's keep making a hundred grand every four months um and just milk this for all we can and he's like no why can't we do this every single day and actually turn this into a legitimate company mm-hmm. um, and now i th- i think that entire industry is pretty much fallen apart the the mm-hmm. core seller and and if it hasn't it's it's very quickly on its way out. I mean, if you sell, and this is what I've heard because I was working pretty closely with a Facebook ads guy um, who does work with a lot of these guys. And it's they're essentially selling a a good or a service, whatever you want to call it, a product that has zero cost. Like you're mm-hmm. literally just recording a, a PowerPoint presentation and selling it for... The upside on that is insane yeah. in, in how much... Uh, you know quote unquote gross margin there is if, if you want to use that term for courses but um, they are still losing money because oh. of how much it takes to like acquire a customer now like that's how many people have jumped on the bandwagon yeah. of I'm going to sell courses and make money this way um, yeah. which I think pretty clearly tells you where that entire industry there's again there's no moat like you don't need any, you literally don't need anything to get into that industry. Nothing. You need a PowerPoint, uh, uh, Microsoft PowerPoint and like a microphone and a, uh, a screen, um, camcorder, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all you need.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, yes, as the seller of sales on fire. Yeah, I've had a course like that that I've been selling for eight years. Yeah. And uh and adding to it and whatnot as we go. But uh, you know, an upgrade. So
1: unfortunately, of- like if you take yeah, somebody who's no a no barrier. Yeah, if you have a ton of sales experience and you're just not yelling as loud as the next guy, the next guy's just gonna because like it's so hard to determine who's legit, who's not. Right. There's so much like stuff out there of just people screaming because everybody has the opportunity to do it now Mm -hmm. it's like you want to again you want to get into something where there is moat i mean i couldn't think of a faster way to sell again we'll use that magic number 10 grand a month just sell five courses a month for two grand a pop that's what these guys are doing right yeah like that's and and i think that's why it's so inundated with these uh new there's like these young 23 year old life coaches. Selling business advice and, and these courses and that, and you're like this guy was just duped by the guy that's higher up than him in this pyramid scheme right mm-hmm. like like it's a coach like becoming an online coach is the new pyramid scheme mm-hmm. in my opinion it's like who got in at the top and can sell the most courses on how to coach coaches on coaching coaches right <laughs> like you know what I'm saying, so um I think that Again, it's a good lesson in terms of if you're looking at an industry or want to get into something, make sure that you have, um, a, a clear product that mm-hmm. needs to be, that, that's just like, there's white space there where, and I think Sam attacked this in terms of, I don't, I can't speak to the quality of his products that he put out, but I can speak to the business model that he, he went after was mm-hmm. much different than what everyone else is doing, the way he branded himself, um, And, uh, yeah, I think just the overall way of how he did things allowed him to create that moat. I don't know how his sales are doing now, now that there's so many people that are out there. Um, but he, he, he had a good little run and I'm assuming he's still doing all right based on, you know, the stuff I've seen.
0: Yeah. And, and just going to his channel and watching the long videos where he, he, he publishes his, um, client support calls. And so you get, you get to see like who his clients are and what problems they're having and and, uh, they might be two hours or something like that. And I've watched several of those and the guy knows what he's talking about. So I don't, you know, I don't have any problem saying, Hey, (laughs) if you're in that situation, Mark Mawinney with the coaching jungle on Facebook, he's another good guy for, um, for that kind of group. And that there. You know, I got out of Facebook last year, right, where I just pretty much stopped going there. I'll post a few things to have the social media um, trail if somebody goes searching for Cold Star there or right. me there. Um, but his group is one that I will occasionally look in. There's like two groups, <laughs> you know, and that's about it. Um, yeah, But so, so he, he knows, and that, that coaches, coaching coaches thing will come up every so often in his coaching group. Um, where they'll kind of self-mock and so
1: yeah I mean it's become like a running joke at this point of like Mm -hmm. I remember that was a joke like four years ago before like when we were probably more into this internet. I'm not really into the internet marketing scene anymore I don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on with it but when I was that was like a joke back then of like there's coaches out there that are doing that are just teaching people how to sell courses and they're teaching people how to sell courses. Mm, um, right? It's like, where does it stop? If you're at the bottom of that, you're not making any more money because everybody mm-hmm. knows a guy that teaches how to sell courses. Um, you're mm-hmm. not doing anything different at this point. Um, so I think that that whole industry again is probably like starting to collapse on itself. And I, I started to notice like, um, you know, there's a guy that. I'm not going to say his name, but he's pretty well known in like the e-commerce space of like mm-hmm. teaching people how to, how to uh, sell on Amazon, sell on Shopify, sell on these different platforms. Um, and I, I, he got started around the same time I did. And he, I think his first month he did like 30,000 in revenue, which is exactly. great. Like your first month in sales, that's amazing. Um, but two months later, he was talking about how amazon and shopify bought him a lamborghini and a brand new like I, I saw his ads running on <laughs> instagram snapchat and all these different uh sources and i'm like dude what is this right like you just did 30 grand in revenue a couple months ago Right. did buy a lamborghini from that like what are you talking right. about?
0: well unless he got into a five thousand dollar a month lease or something like that
1: right or he's just joined the dark side of like <laughs> like late night infomercial guy that's now just advertising on Facebook. Right. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what this is too, which is hilarious. Like you're just the nine are you're for the 2020 version of like the guy in 1988. Right. remember that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, What was it? And there was that one guy, he was an Asian guy, you know. You like diamond, you like pearl. Come to my seminar. Yeah, <laughs> guy, yeah. Uh, up in the Pacific like Northwest, the that 2020 guy. 2020
1: version of that, and somehow like nobody questions what's going on here. It's hilarious, but uh, yeah. So I and then he started putting out videos. He didn't know it was my brand, but he started putting out videos showing our website and showing our mm-hmm. products and showing our mm-hmm. pages on like how to copy our products, and, and he's selling this to this to his, to his students. Um, and I've recently seen now that there's these different YouTube channels. There's these different outlets now that are gaining big following very quickly. So there's a, a website called or a YouTube channel called Coffeezilla. Hmm. There's an Instagram page called baller busters. And essentially they're just busting these fake gurus. Um, and it's hilarious. Like, um, just basically putting it out there like, Hey, these guys are complete scumbags Mm -hmm. uh, that are just taking people's money for courses and and selling you a dream essentially. Right. Um, So how does this like equate to what your listeners think they're listening to? I would just be very careful of like who you listen to. Mm -hmm. Do not spend your money or information on courses or anything like that. Like essentially you need to be focused on like, what can you do to differentiate yourself? Mm -hmm. What's like the overall bigger picture rather than like the tactic that these guys are teaching. Cause I guarantee you, you can figure out how to sell on Amazon, right? Like it's not hard to figure out how to uh, become a a professional seller, get a a professional sales account that might take you like a week, set up your um, uh, corporation and all this stuff. Right? Like, Get that stuff, what they're teaching you how to do and charging you two grand for, you can literally learn for free. It's not like the tactic of selling on Amazon is not going to do anything. It's like the, the stuff that matters now is the overall bigger picture, which we mm-hmm. talked about before. How do you, you differentiate a product that, that's uh, you know, much more um, in demand and, and, and is not currently out there for a specific industry? That's going to skyrocket your sales way quicker than anything they're teaching in a course. They're going to teach you how to download a software, look at what other people are selling and then how to rip them off and change, you know, the zipper or change the, uh, the handle to differentiate your products. Like that's never going to work now.
0: Right. Just, that's not really differentiation. No, that's it's not, not building a moat.
1: Right. And no. so are you, are you familiar with the term of like product market fit and like the lean, yeah, yeah, like lean yeah. product, um, yeah. manufacturing in that? hmm so that's something we've really tried to incorporate now Is like, we have a pretty big community of customers. I think I've told you about this. We have a Facebook community of like a few thousand people um, that we can now like run ideas by test right. product. Like, so it's almost like t- today's business and marketing world are merging and almost marrying where like the Y Combinator, Silicon Valley, product market fit stuff. Is mm-hmm. now just catching up with the technology of like, oh, you can run Facebook ads and YouTube ads and do these different uh, copywriting techniques. Those two worlds are almost merging now, where it's like you need uh, a found, um, you know, I guess a foundation in both of them um, to really have a successful company now. Um, the idea that companies are just at, like, I mean, I saw this, there's uh, a quote the other day talking about how did you know that most small businesses don't have a website and don't know how to manage social media it's like yes they do dude every company knows what a website you're not going to break any barriers talk telling a business owner they need to be on facebook or something right like um people know that stuff exists now but i think they don't what most people lack is like the understanding of like product market fit uh, lean manufacturing how to make sure that you you know, a product is validated before you just put it out there and right. are people willing to pay? All of this different stuff is super important now.
0: Right. And, and people can go do a Google search for Steve Blank uh, and and find out all kinds of material about that. Uh, Steve Blank has partnered up with um, Brown University, Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, the technical engineering advisor for a Cold Star, my company, is Dr. Rick Fleeter. And him as a professor at Brown, and another professor at Brown are partnered up with Steve Blank to educate their students on his material. And that is all about doing the research to find out your product market fit. So you don't need to buy anything from us. <laughs> Just go right. look for that. He's got some great pre-made free courses there with like yeah. two and a half minute videos. Yeah. Right? They're really short little from, snippets. Like
1: if somebody's trying to charge you two grand for a course on like how to find products um, like Jason just said, there's free stuff out there. There's also like very good detailed books for like 10 or 20 bucks on Amazon that would go into way more depth than any course seller would on like how to actually find legitimate products now and what would actually work versus you just copying somebody out of a software or whatever. And you're going to end up, Bro, like people want to be told what to do, and like mm-hmm. this is what you need to do: step ABC. And it's like that's literally the opposite of what makes a business successful.
0: Yes, because if it was paint by numbers, everybody, everyone would be rich. That. Yeah, exactly.
1: Just not. It's like a lot of creativity, and you need to take risk and chances, and, and actually put cash down. And this also ties into something too um, that I wanted to talk to you about or ask you about. We touched on a little bit before we started recording here. It was like the acquisition model, like that's certainly something I would look into. Um, I think, again, I just mentioned that like, I would probably never start another company with uh, just by myself. I would look for a partner, but even further than that, I would maybe never even start another company. Um, And this is just kind of me thinking out loud because it's, it's an option I haven't explored yet, but rather find a partner, and acquire companies where you feel like you can mm-hmm. add a ton of value, um, and really uh, exploit, you know, uh, ways to increase the revenue. Way if it was operated sloppier, they didn't were using proper margins, or those ways to improve the supply chain um, that could really improve, improve the the bottom line. Um, that's I think there's huge advantages there, and again. Mm-hmm. You need cash to do that, obviously. This isn't something where you're just going to jump in and uh, start a business from scratch and, and it's going to be successful all of a sudden. Um, you need a lot of money to, to do that, but there's way more leverage than that. You want to try and look for all the different ways that you can leverage your time, and that's ultimately how you're going to make the most money possible. I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on um, that model, like sure. the acquisition. I mean, model. To,
0: begin with, to begin with, the first mistake that newbies make is they, they do not value their time. Their time right. is the least valuable thing because they feel they have a lot of it. They have 8, 10, 12 hours a day. What else are they doing? <laughs> yeah. and, and, the, the, and then they walk in and think, oh, it's going to all be about uh, execution, fulfillment of orders, and that. No, most of your time is going to be spent on acquiring customers. Right. And the first thing you got to do is figure out the marketing and all that stuff and the positioning and all that. So what the acquisition model allows you to do is bypass all that. You get to that product market fit immediately because you look at companies that have already found it. Right. And they're generating a cash flow. So I did not come up with this. Uh, the guy who I'm thinking of is Walker Dybel, uh, who has a great book about it. And I interviewed him for this, this podcast, The Cold Star Project. Uh, that episode was recorded in January 2020. It has not come out yet. There is quite a gap. Uh, it will probably come out, but well, certainly by May 2020. I, I'm hoping in April, sometime in there, March or April, it will come out. And so I had the chance to expand on his book and talk to, to Walker directly about this acquisition model. Um, one of the most interesting things, that, that's from my point of view anyway, was that in his book, he does not talk much about operations and, and understanding the operations of the business that you're going to acquire, nor mm. does he talk much about the values. And, and that's astonishing to me, right? So, so I asked him about it, and we dug into it a lot, and his short answer was it doesn't matter as much as you think when you're acquiring a business. So and he had good reasons for that and so i would refer us to the the podcast mm, with him yeah. that for that answer I'll, I'll link it that. Up. but uh yeah it, it and it, he had me convinced <laughs> let's put it that way uh, as to why so it, it was curious because like that would be one of the first things that i would look for is that culture matchup right between what I want and maybe have going on in my own organization and a thing that I'm going to acquire. Um, But uh, the short answer is there's some reasons why it's open to being acquired. Um, A lot of that stuff was baked in from the beginning. Remember, all businesses, folks, are uh, are a outgrowth of the psychological problems of their founders. (laughs) So there's a lot of stuff in there um, baked in from the beginning. That, that is hard to change. And so maybe as a, as a person looking for businesses to acquire, you will probably filter for stuff that you're comfortable with already and that'll bypass a lot of that problem. But I love the idea um, of, of acquiring businesses because you are bypassing that horrible phase of finding the product to, you know, market fit, right? right. And, and they're already generating revenue and it's it's a cash flow situation. So if I can do a leveraged buyout, let's say, where I'm paying somebody ten thousand dollars a month or twenty thousand dollars a month, maybe with a cash uh, upfront payment as a, as a base payment, which I've borrowed against the assets of the business or the revenue of the business to to pay that owner off mm-hmm. um, and get them out of there. And and if I'm making in the margin now, not the revenue, the margin if i 'm making a margin of fifteen or twenty thousand dollars from it after I paid all my bills that 's a deal I will make right um, I, there is some some profit there, so if it costs me less to operate. Uh, the business and the loan than it does from the margin that I'm getting from having that business, then it starts making financial sense. And I have a base that I can scale on. I've got people in place. I've got expertise. I've got capabilities, right. I've got marketing and distribution fulfillment channels. Right. All that stuff that is so hard and exhausting to figure out <laughs> as a new business owner going, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to do next year. Right. Is already taken care of for you and you can get to work maximizing um, what's that already going on.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a couple other levers that can be pulled. Like if you are looking at acquiring a company, um, essentially from my understanding is I haven't sold our business yet, obviously, but just in conversations with brokers and people that know the space Mm -hmm. well, it's like essentially a company that wants to acquire you or an investor that wants to acquire you is looking at two years of financial statements previously um, to see that the the company's growing, that there's good health um, in terms of the financials and that. So you could literally acquire a company for a certain amount and just based off of like the growth of that industry, meaning the Mm industry is growing more people are getting involved in it, buying products in it you could go ahead and sell that business a year later mm-hmm. or two years later and make a, a very healthy profit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just learn to leverage certain things or release a few more products, or as you said, find distribution on other channels. Right. Um, and Isn't make- that
0: fascinating, right? The rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. And just by existing in that ecosystem for a couple of years.
1: So that's like one of the <laughs> main crazy. things that we look for when we're yeah. starting is like, we wanted to make sure that, hey, if there's going to be competition, let's make sure I know there's going to be competition moving in it's just the state of of the time the sign of the times like you're you're looking at everybody um as you mentioned before as buying courses or trying to get involved in some type of business now um a lot of there is going to be a lot of competition um if you can find an industry that's growing rapidly or growing very quickly, a lot of that's the times that competition becomes irrelevant because of how quickly a space is growing. Um, so I think, I think that's a super interesting point. And if you can acquire different companies within a certain industry or niche that you know is growing and kind of package them together, um, I think that can be sold for a ton of money. Um, mm-hmm. even if you just held on to it for a year or two, right.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it not it the different. rest of your life and, and the added value that you're bringing to the table if you have expertise in um, breaking open new, new markets or figuring out that white space that you were talking about um, and that could even allow right. you to pick up a company that is generating a cash flow but maybe isn't being run profitably. Right, because exactly. they're missing some of this stuff. And so yeah. you pick it up at, at a discount, you plug on, um, all the stuff that you're good at and, uh, and bingo, <laughs> you know, you've got yourself a growing profitable business. Yeah. Yeah. If
1: you can look, if you can look at the financials and see like, Hey, this can be improved with this type of supply chain, or maybe they're using a different supplier that's more expensive than a supplier that you know, like if you've specific industry knowledge, um, it can work out very, very well in your favor. And I think that ties into like, I think a huge point of leverage that we're trying to really focus on is like if we were to acquire a company or if if we're going to start more brands, I want to keep it within the same industry and same niche, because we already have all the leverage there. We have a community like a Facebook group, email list. Um, We have social media set up already. We're running ads. And we know what that that market wants. We're already starting with like five x leverage over what everyone else would be starting with if they started a company in this space. It's like why wouldn't we start in that space? And then again, when you go to sell, if a, if a buyer wants to purchase you and they're purchasing four brands that are all grouped together in the same market versus just one brand, that those four brands are are much more leverage. It's it's uh, revenue and, and gross profit that's spread out. Um, which makes the risk on their part um, much less, right? So they're willing to pay more for it. Um, these are all obviously just different things to consider. I think this is probably maybe a, a little bit beyond what a beginner should be thinking about, right. but it is it is something to think about, anyways. Because it, mid
0: range, though, yeah, like, wanna, like you know, again, for sure with Cold Star. I have full midterm plans to buy up satellite manufacturers as they stumble and screw up because they are not being run as well as they could be. And I will gobble some up and uh, amalgamate them and and make a bigger small sat manufacturing company out of it. That's a midterm plan for me and I don't make any secret out of it.
1: And how many many years away from that do you think you are?
0: Um, Between two and four. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And again, that's like, there's a a moat there. Like, you know, the Mm -hmm. industry, you know, the space, you have connections, you've networked in, in the space. Um, if you needed leverage or help, I'm sure you could find it pretty quickly. Mm Um, think about how different that is than, you know, drop shipping shoelaces.
0: (laughs) (laughs) By yourself. Yeah. Yeah. In (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Awesome. Well, we've talked for about an hour here, Kim. Um, I, I, let's see how this goes and whether people would like us to do more of these because um, there's an infinite amount of uh, monkeys on and an infinite amount of typewriters of content that we could, that we could talk That's about. Far, we could yeah. dig and dig and, yeah. dig and dig and dig and dig into this stuff. And we would Right. Surface touch some stuff, but thanks a lot for having the idea to do this and keeping on me so that we would get something booked. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool, man. I
1: think, uh, I mean, I, I hope people get something out of this at least anyways, like, um, this is not typical stuff that mm-hmm. you would hear, or uh, certainly I haven't. Right. on Podcasts or um, any any marketing outlet these days. The right. I, I'm pretty much rah, rah,
0: rah, Go team, go! Anybody can do it. Make it right. A like whatever.
1: Hustle, <laughs> hustle, work your face off, do whatever you can to get out of your right. job. Um, just go. It's like, what are we doing? Don't worry about it. Just go.
0: Right. Okay. No, don't go. Think first. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> Just sell.
0: What are we selling? Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. All right, Ken. Thanks a lot, and I look forward to uh, talking with you and sharing our thoughts again next time.
1: All right, Jason, for sure.